the Gospel of Luke, Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter 11. Uh, our, our goal for the last few sermons uh, has been to learn how to pray so that the wells of our hearts are dug deeply into Jesus. And so far we've seen that we uh, dig our hearts deeply into Jesus by slowing down and actually praying to him every day. And then we've started uh, talking about what to pray for, uh, using the version of the Lord's Prayer that's found here in Luke. So what do we pray for? Well, as we've seen, we pray that as God's children, we would grow in the skill of holiness by learning how to live with God and our neighbor like Jesus does. We pray that we would learn how to see the presence of Jesus in our lives and in the lives of everyone around us so that we would have hope that salvation and new life and maturity and reconciliation, forgiveness, all the blessings of the gospel are indeed possible because Jesus is in fact here with us. And then related to that, uh, we pray that God would give us wisdom to know how to act as those that Jesus has brought into partnership with him as he builds his kingdom in the world and in the lives of those around us. And my hope is that you've been taking at least some of what we've been talking about and putting it into practice over the last couple of weeks, and I know there's a lot there. That's why I said taking some of it. Uh, I hope you've practiced slowing down and praying to Jesus at least a few times uh, during the last couple of weeks. I, I hope you've prayed Father, hallowed be your name in situations where you just weren't sure how to live like Jesus wanted you to, or prayed, Father, your kingdom come, because you wanted to see Jesus' presence in someone's life, or maybe your own life, or wanted to see his presence in a difficult situation. And if you've been doing that, it would be good uh, for everyone to actually hear your testimonies about the, the confidence and the joy and the peace, the, the maturity and change you would have experienced that, that always comes from being in the presence of of Christ. Uh, one way we help each other to pray more and trust more in Jesus is to talk about our own prayer life with each other. Not everything, of course, but to share the way in which God uh, encouraged you as you brought your life before his throne of grace. Uh, so all that said, we've, we've, we've talked about praying to live like Jesus. We've talked about praying for us to be able to see Jesus. This morning, we're going to talk about praying that we would learn that we can trust Jesus. Kids, do you remember what faith means? You can yell it out, it's okay. Trust. Faith means trust. That's exactly right. Now, here's another question. Don't yell the answer out to this one. Uh, do you know what one of the main opponents of faith is in the Bible? Well, as far as I can tell, one of the main opponents of faith in the Bible is fear. So do you remember the story of Jairus, uh, the ruler of the synagogue who comes to Jesus and asks him to save his daughter, who's very, very sick? And uh, while Jesus is walking to Jairus' house to heal this man's daughter, uh, another man runs up and he says to them, don't bother the teacher anymore, your daughter's dead. And then Jesus looks at Jairus and he says, do not fear, only believe, that is have faith, have trust that I will help her and she will be well. And the man brings Jesus to his house and Jesus goes and he raises his daughter back from the dead. 
In another famous gospel story, Jesus is sleeping in a boat during the middle of a storm, and the disciples get terribly afraid, and they run to Jesus, and they say, Master, we're going to drown. Don't you care? And then Jesus wakes up, and he asks them, Why are you so afraid? Is your faith in me? Is your your trust in me that small? And then he tells the storm to be quiet. Now, I want to be careful here. The point of these stories is not that the emotion of fear is wrong or sinful or that we shouldn't ever feel afraid. Fear itself is not sinful. Fear is not always inappropriate. Jesus was clearly afraid of going to the cross. I mean, you don't sweat drops of blood because you're feeling happy. Thank God. That would make birthdays just the worst. Um, No, the point of these stories, and this is directly related to our passage this morning, is that when fear is handled poorly, we become distrustful of Jesus' character. When fear is handled poorly, we become suspicious of Jesus' goodness. When fear is handled poorly, we become wary of Jesus' plans, and then we act in ways that are sinful, like uh, denying Jesus like Peter did during his trial, or trying to take control from Jesus like King Saul in the Old Testament went out of fear of being upstaged by David, he tried to murder David. When we handle feel poorly, we believe Satan's lies that God is actually a trickster, like Adam and Eve did when they were afraid that God was plotting their oppression and so ate the fruit of the tree in the garden so that they could be, they thought, free. See, this morning Jesus is going to teach us how to handle our fear well by teaching us to pray, give us this day our daily bread. And then exhorting us to pray that prayer, and really the whole prayer, to just pray generally, persistently, consistently, boldly, over and over and over again. And as I hope to show you, the goal of this line and of this exhortation we're going to hear to persistent prayer is to teach us to pray for an ever-growing confidence in the goodness of God. Uh, We all struggle to handle fear well. We all wrestle with resting in God's control of the situation. We all grapple with scary choices and difficult situations. Uh, This line of this prayer teaches us how to take these things to Jesus so that our faith can be strengthened with the knowledge that Jesus is good and he is kind and he is wise and he will give us life. So let's read Luke uh, 1, chapter 11, verses 1 through 12 this morning, and then we'll reflect on this more briefly. Luke chapter 11, verses 1 through uh, 13, excuse me, 1 through 13. Let's hear God's word. Now Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. For we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us and lead us not into temptation. And he said to them, which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, 
Lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, Do not bother me. The door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you that though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. And I tell you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, it will be opened. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish, give him a snake? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Thus far the reading of God's own word. Let's pray together. Our Father, we very much want to grow in our trust in you, in your goodness, and in the way you answer prayer. So Lord, we pray now that uh, your spirit would go forth with your word uh, to give us ears to hear, minds to understand, and hearts to believe what you, have say, what you are saying to us this morning in this passage. Father, may the words of my mouth as your preacher and may the meditation of all our hearts as those called to hear and respond to your word, may it all be pleasing now in your sight. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> uh, the first thing I need to say isn't going to be long, but it will be surprising. We've all learned that the Lord's Prayer says, Give us this day our daily bread. And that's because every Bible scholar agrees that that's the best way to understand the rough meaning of the Greek text. But every Bible scholar also knows that that isn't exactly, it is not literally, what the Greek text says. Uh, in the English Standard Version, which is our Pew Bibles, the New International Version, the New Living Translation, the Holman Christian Translation, which I think is also now called the Christian Standard Bible, and the New King James Version, and that's all the translations that I know you all use out there, so if I didn't mention a translation, I'm not doing it on purpose, I just don't know you use it. Uh, but in all the translations that I know you all use, there's a footnote after the line, give us each day our daily bread, that tells you the text literally says, give us each day tomorrow's bread. Give us each day tomorrow's bread. And yeah, some of your faces say it all. Uh, you're right, that is kind of a weird thing to say. Uh, give us each day tomorrow's bread? I mean, what does that mean? And why should I ask God to give me tomorrow's bread today? Shouldn't I pray for today's bread today? And I should add here the, the reason why the translations all read, give us each day our daily bread, is because when it's translated that way, you're just asking God to give you all the bread that you need for today. And if that includes tomorrow's bread, great. Uh, it's a way of sort of avoiding the problem. Uh, but linguistic tricks aside, why did Jesus teach us to pray, give us each day tomorrow's bread? And I've wondered about that for years. And the things I read in commentaries never totally satisfied me. Uh, but the Lord didn't really help me understand it until two weeks ago when I was driving to pick my kids up from church. And I was thinking about this. 
And I realized there is a foundational story in the Bible where God literally gives his people tomorrow's bread. And that's the story of God giving his people manna in the desert. And not everyone is familiar with that story, so let me remind you of what happened. Uh, God had just saved Israel from slavery, and now they're walking with him in the, the desert wilderness on their way to Mount Sinai. Now, one of the things that's inherent in the Bible's idea of wilderness is that it, it isn't a place where we can provide for ourselves. Uh, the wilderness is not a city. It is not the countryside. The wilderness is the wild. And to live in the wild is to live in an undeniable way in complete dependence on God. So Israel is literally in the wilderness. She doesn't have any food except what God decides to provide. She doesn't have any water except what God decides to provide. And she doesn't have any security that she can uh, easily look to. There's no basement to run in if there was a tornado. There's no walls to hide behind if there was an attack. And so Israel's in the wilderness. She's completely exposed and she's afraid. But rather than take her fear to God and ask him for help, she takes her fear to God and makes an accusation. She says to Moses, which in the story is the same thing as saying it to God because Moses is God's representative there. He say to Moses, we want to go back to Egypt. Uh, we had food, we had water, and we even had wine. We had walls. But out here we have nothing. And clearly, uh, that's because God brought us out here to die, they say. See, God is not good, we're, we've realized. God is not just. God is not kind. God is not merciful. He's a trickster. He's a liar. He's dangerous. And he's planned evil for us. Uh, does any of this sound familiar uh, to you and to your own responses when you're uh, in the figurative wilderness with God, to your own responses of being vulnerable, independent, without the things you normally look to to feel safe and sound. So after Moses tells God about this accusation, uh, God then tells Israel that he will give them bread. And then there's this incredible miracle. Uh, God causes the dew of the ground in the morning to become this wonderful tasting bread. And the Israelites call it manna, meaning what is it? Like, it's so good, like manna, manna, like what is it? This is the best. What is this goodness? Um, now, there's a lot I could say about the manna, but the thing that matters for the Lord's Prayer is that God tells Israel to gather the manna every morning, every single day, except the Sabbath day. On the Sabbath day, there won't be any manna, but that's okay because on Friday which is the day before their Sabbath, which was Saturday, I'll give you twice as much bread. In other words, on Friday, Israel was given today's bread and tomorrow's bread. You see, this prayer for our daily bread, or again, more literally, tomorrow's bread, is a prayer that is rooted in Israel's experience of the manna. And before I jump into the things that I think Jesus wants us to mean then when we pray this line, let me just say that one of the things that Jesus is clearly teaching us here is how to turn the Bible into a prayer. Now, we're probably not going to be skilled enough to take an entire chapter of Exodus and summarize it profoundly in seven words the way that Jesus did. 
but I do want us to see that Jesus is teaching his disciples to pray. He's teaching us to pray by rooting our prayers into God's own word. Jesus is taking a story of the Bible and he's teaching us to ask God to make its lessons real in our life. Give us today tomorrow's bread, the manna in the wilderness like you gave to your people. Okay, what lesson is then Jesus teaching us in this line? That's our second point, which is praying for manna. One of the things that Jesus is clearly teaching us to pray for is God's physical provisions, uh, because that's fundamental to the story of the manna. Uh, Israel was afraid that she wouldn't have food or clothing or security. She was exposed. She was vulnerable. She was afraid of hunger and danger. And, and we have those fears, right? We fear danger. Kids, how many of you sometimes worry because you're afraid something bad is out there that wants to hurt you? That was Israel in the wilderness. And kids, God gave them manna to show them that he would protect them and keep them safe. So kids, when you're afraid, you can pray, God, give me today my daily bread. Help me to know that you will provide for me, Jesus. Jesus, help me know that you protect me and you feed me and you are with me. Give me today my daily bread. Teens, young adults, young parents, uh, are you ever afraid that you won't be able to physically provide for yourself in the future? That when you go off on your own, if you're a teenager, that you're not going to make it or uh, that you won't be able to provide for your spouse if you're, you're married or your, or your children? I mean, honestly, have you ever had that fear? Have you ever wondered, are we going to actually be okay? Am I going to be okay? Are we going to be, are we going to be homeless? Are we going to be destitute? Am I moving back in with, with mom and dad or grandma and grandpa? Are we going to be safe? Is the future safe for us? Jesus says, pray for the manna of God's care. Remember that all life depends on the goodness of God and that God is good and provides because he's the God who makes provision in the wilderness. So Father, give us today our daily bread. Uh, older folks, are you ever afraid that there won't be someone there to take care of you or help you or help your loved ones when you depart and be with Jesus? You think, who will provide for me? Who will provide for them? Jesus is here telling you, take that fear to Jesus in prayer. Father, give us today our daily bread. Take care of me and my loved ones the way that you took care of your people in the, with manna in the wilderness. See, my friends, whatever your age, whatever your stage of life, whatever fears you have for a physical safety and sustenance, this line is an invitation from Jesus to take our usually justifiable fears and handle them well. Place them into Jesus' hands and remember the abundant provision of God for his people who takes the dew of the ground and turns it into bread for his people. But this isn't just a prayer for physical bread, isn't, uh, is it? We would be uh, remiss, I think, if we didn't also think of our need for spiritual bread, which is also part of the manna story, right? 
Because while the presenting issue, the thing that they talked to Moses about was hunger and danger, the real problem, which was exposed in that complaint, was their lack of faith in God's goodness in their shallow relationship with Jesus. And I don't say that in a derogatory way. Uh, I don't mean that as a condemnation. I think sometimes we read the Old Testament with like this superior judgment. Can you believe those people and their lack of faith? Not like me and my lack of faith. I lack faith in a deeper way. (laughs) No, like we're just being, I'm just being descriptive. They just didn't have a lot of time with Jesus yet. They'd just been saved up out of Egypt. They've been, he brings them into the desert and it's scary and they're scared. And they don't have that long-term trust built up that you need if you're going to handle it well. They didn't have a deep relationship. Their, Their hearts had not been deeply drilled down into Christ yet. God understood that. He understood that from them. He understands it for us. That's why he doesn't respond harshly with judgment and the ground opening or fire coming down. He responds with kindness and provision. And what the manna was ultimately aimed at was a stronger faith in Jesus and a deeper relationship with him. It was about spiritual food as much, if not more, than it was about physical food. And you can really see the idea in the fact that Jesus had Israel collect tomorrow's bread on the day before the Sabbath. Because by doing that, what Jesus was teaching them was that their rest and their communion with God, their friendship with Jesus, was so important to Jesus that he would make sure that they had rest and communion with him. Essentially, Jesus was saying, I actually don't want you to spend time collecting manna on the Sabbath. I want you to rest. I want you to recover and to worship. Uh, I want you to enjoy time with me and with my people and with my creation. Uh, I want the, the blessings of my friendship and the joy of my salvation to be experienced by you as deeply as possible. I want you to be refreshed by my goodness. I want you to be calmed by my presence. I want you to be fed by my gospel. And so I'm giving you tomorrow's bread today so that you can take this day of rest to be refreshed and to know my blessings. See, it's about spiritual bread. It's about teaching us that I can trust God. I can rely on God. I can trust him for me. I can trust him for you. He will provide for his people, not just the bare necessities, but an abundance of his presence and his goodness. And in that light, let me add this. Uh, As those who have heard Jesus call himself the Lord of the Sabbath, the one who protects his people's life, delight, and communion with God, right, which is what Sabbath is all about, And as those who have heard Jesus call himself the bread of life, Jesus says in John's gospel that he came as the true manna from heaven, as ones who celebrate the Lord's Supper every week and eat the bread, which symbolizes Jesus, then surely one of the things that we also need to mean when we pray 
give us today our daily bread, give us tomorrow's bread, is Lord, give us today Jesus and the Sabbath he brings, the life he brings, the delight he brings, the communion with God he brings. Give us a sense of Jesus' provision and of his redemption and of his forgiveness and his protection and his kindness and his faithfulness. Nourish my soul and my family's soul with the grace of Christ. Drill the wells of our hearts deeply into Jesus. And uh, speaking of drilling the wells of our hearts deeply into Jesus, there's a fascinating connection between this prayer and a major event in Jesus' life that is very much worth reflecting on. In Deuteronomy 8, verse 3, God says that he gave the Israelites manna so that they would learn something. That they would learn, quote, man doesn't live by bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. That's probably familiar to most of you because that is the verse that Jesus uses to anchor himself against Satan's temptation to doubt God's provision and love in his own time in the wilderness. Right? Satan comes to Jesus and says, turn this stone into bread. And Jesus says, man does not live by bread alone, but on every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And in that light, I can't help but wonder if this line is something that Jesus prayed himself over and over again as a child and as a young man and then eventually in his ministry and that when he was giving us this model prayer, he thought about his own human fear of starvation in the wilderness, which he must surely have had to some degree or Satan would not have tempted him with bread. He certainly would have thought of his own vulnerability and his own exposure Certainly that again that he had in the wilderness, but that he had throughout his career and that he knew was coming up in his own trial and uh, eventual death on the cross. He certainly would have thought of his disciples' own fears and their own suffering and their own hardship that they were dealing with and following him in his ministry, right? The, the fear of drowning on the boat, the fear of uh, being homeless, the fear of not being rewarded uh, by Jesus. And, and I wonder if Jesus decided that the best way to help us meet our fears with faith was to show us the way that he and his humanity and his human nature met his human fears through faith. The way that he might have himself prayed his human fears to his heavenly father, the way he calls us to pray our fears to our heavenly father in him. You know, Father, give us today our daily bread. Father, let, us learn, let them learn how to trust in your word. Uh, give them confidence in your goodness that I have. Uh, assure them of your provision and your protection. Drill their hearts deeply into the well of your great faithfulness the way I have done in my own humanity through prayer with you. Uh, so um, time is almost gone. I still have verses 5 to 12 to talk about. Uh, so I'm going to do it quickly. I'm going to do it very much in summary. Uh, obviously, this whole section applies to every part of this prayer, uh, but I wanted to talk here about its, uh, its central section, which is our need to learn to trust that God is good and loves us. 
So in verses 5 through 8, Jesus compares our prayers to God, to a man uh, who wakes up his friend at midnight and asks for bread because he has friends who came late to his house and he doesn't have any, which, by the way, means that this friend is asking for tomorrow's bread today. Did you pick that up? Isn't that cool? Jesus says that man will get tomorrow's bread from his neighbor because of his impudence, verse 8. Uh, the boldness is probably a better translation. The chutzpah might even be more appropriate. Uh, so the point really is that it's this persistent boldness, this I'm gonna, I, I need this thing and I'm going to go get it, that gets the man what he needs. And Jesus clearly here wants us to be persistent, boldly honest in uh, praying the way that this man was persistent and boldly honest with his friend. But with that point made, then Jesus takes a, a surprising turn because he doesn't say, so be persistent with God because eventually God will get out of bed and get you what you need. That is not what Jesus says. No, Jesus' point is that God is more willing to give than that man. God doesn't need to be roused out of bed or woken up from a nap or called in from the backyard or have his attention pulled over here because there was something shiny over there. No, like God is willing and he's, he's, he's paying attention. He is, his concentration is on his people. And so Jesus says in verses 9 through 10, And I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find Knock, and it will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, it will be opened. It seems to me, by the way, that all of these words, ask, seeking, and knocking, relate to the various things for the kingdom. You seek the kingdom of God. He tells you to pray for the kingdom of God. You knock on the neighbor's door for tomorrow's bread. You ask God for tomorrow's bread. Uh, you, um, you, uh, you ask uh, for forgiveness and we haven't talked about that yet. And then here you're saying, God says, if you ask for forgiveness, you'll get it. So I think all of these just very clearly connect to the prayer that Jesus is teaching. But that aside, Jesus' larger point is to be persistent and bold in prayer, not because we need to shock God into helping us, but because God wants to help us every time we ask. God wants us to know that he is good. God wants us to have confidence in his goodness rooted in the deepest parts of our hearts. So God is not coming to us and saying, you better figure out that I'm good or I'm going to bring bad things, which would be odd parenting strategy. God says, I know that you struggle to believe my goodness the way my people did in the wilderness. So ask over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. And you will discover every time that I am good. And eventually, you'll believe it in the deep parts of your heart. Right, verse 11 through 12, What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a snake? Which is hilarious, right? It's supposed to be a joke. Jesus has good sense of humor. If he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion. Right? If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So let's conclude on this. If we want to grow in our faith in Jesus, in our trust in his character, 
uh, in our reliance on his word, in our assurance of his provision, in our confidence in his goodness. If we want to learn how to take our fears to Jesus and move forward well in faith, then we need to hear Jesus invite us to this persistent, bold, open, daily prayer where we take our fears to Jesus and receive from him tomorrow's bread. Uh, Because our good God will answer us. He will hear us. He will meet our needs because he is the God of the wilderness. He is the bread of life. He is the Father who loves us and provides for us every day in abundance. Amen? Let's pray together. Father, thank you for giving us the manna of Jesus. Uh, Thank you for feeding us and clothing us and protecting us. Uh, Father, as we experience fear, uh, please help us to uh, hand it over to you in prayer so that we can be assured of your incredible, generous, gracious provision. And please help us to pray to you every day so that our hearts would be ruled by a steadfast, unshakable confidence in your goodness and mercy through Jesus our Lord. Uh, in whose name we pray. Amen.